Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. Minor League Edition. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here's your host. Welcome to the Ranger Report Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ben Dieter. Looking forward to today's podcast. We are going to be speaking with the great Victor Rojas from the Frisco Rough Riders here in just a moment. Wanted to remind you, you can always find us on social media at Twitter at the ranger report on facebook.com slash the ranger report you can find us uh, pretty much anywhere that you listen to a podcast we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts iHeartRadio, stitcher pandora pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts you will find the ranger report podcast as always we have a patreon we would love you to become a patron and join us uh with that we would love you to uh to take that on and to help us out this year in in funding the podcast there's always a great way to do that another great way to support the ranger report podcast is to go to the ranger slash shop and look at the merchandise we have for sale right now on there and we try to add stuff each month so keep an eye on that and see if you see anything you like and be sure and buy it and tell your friends about it um again this will be a special minor league edition of the podcast where we'll be speaking to the president and general manager of the frisco rough riders victor rojas really looking forward to it and coming up after this break cj and i will be talking to victor rojas you are listening to the ranger report podcast hey guys have you ever thought about starting your own podcast when i was trying to get this podcast off the ground i had a lot of questions like how do i record an episode How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year, and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, So if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. All right, we are back on the Ranger Report podcast, and we have a very special guest, former Rangers radio broadcaster, former Angels announcer, and now current GM and president of the Frisco Rough Riders, Victor Rojas. Victor, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing swell. 
Let's start with uh, this crazy year that was 2020. Now, I know the Rangers had to broadcast away games from their home stadium. Did you guys have to do the same thing with Angels broadcasts? And what was that like for you guys if you did? Yeah, we uh, we did our uh, away broadcast, uh, not from our home broadcast booth, but just outside the stadium where the production trucks are at. They brought in like a, a mobile studio. And so we set up there. So um, I guess the Angels uh, didn't uh, feel comfortable opening up the ballpark when the team was away just from from a protocol standpoint. So and which was fine. I, I, I think it would have been really weird. And I it, some of the folks that I've talked to have said that it was really weird being inside the ballpark with no action happening and you're in your booth calling the action off a monitor. So I'm glad we were kind of in that little mobile studios, like a 30 foot wide by, by 12 feet, uh, you know, thing right outside the production trucks there. And uh, it was nice being able to go to the ballpark every day and knowing that, uh, you know, we had a setup there. It was, it was what it was, you know, it was, it was kind of uh, everyone was in the same boat and uh, we just made the most of it. Victor, uh, you got to work with Hall of Fame broadcaster Eric Nadell during your time in Texas around the mid-2000s. Uh, what was it like working with him, and uh, what did you learn from him? Well, it was insane. I mean, uh, he's just a, a great all-around dude. We, you know, and I joined the uh, the Rangers in, in 2004. Uh, it was kind of, I think it was fall of 2003, initially when I first met him when I got hired. Um, you know, after I, uh, uh, you know, it, it just, you hear so much about the, the greatness that he exudes and, and the personality. Uh, but for me initially was uh, once I got around uh, realizing that he wasn't James Taylor, for some reason, he just looked like James Taylor to me. <laughs> um, yeah. I was able to settle in for a while. And, and in 2004, I remember initially, uh, you know, I, I looked at his scorebook and you know, I only had one year big league experience under my belt with the diamondbacks. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, well, maybe I'm doing it wrong and I got to try to do what Eric is doing. So I, I would fill my scoreboard out or my scorebook, I should say out and all kinds of notes everywhere. And my penmanship is a little bit nicer than that of Eric's. So I don't know how he reads his stuff, but, uh, I got to about a month of doing that where I realized it's not me. It's not, I, I felt like I was concentrating more on what I was trying to get into the game based on my notes than actually paying attention to the game. And from that point forward is really is when I started to settle in a little bit as a broadcaster and kind of coming into my own and figuring out who I was, but being able to have a mentor like Eric and, and kind of just bounce things off of so easygoing, uh, just great sense of humor is uh, just by nature, just a good person and being able to learn from him was just something that uh, was invaluable to me, especially at such an early age and an early stage in my career. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's fun mm. as a Ranger fan. He's fun to sit around and listen to for sure. And I really enjoyed it when you guys were together, but then you moved on to the angels and some people may not know mm. this, but you played for the angels uh, minor leagues for a little while before you became, got into broadcasting and other things. Did that kind of play into your decision to go to the angels or not? Well, that, uh, that all came out of the blue. I was at MLB network at the time. I left the Rangers in fall of 2008 to go to, to New Jersey to join the network. And then uh, you fast forward to January of 2010, Rory Marcus, who was slated to be the full-time television announcer for the angels at that point passed away. And what we had heard at the network was because it was so close to spring training that they were just going to piece it together for 2010 and then go into a full fledged search in, in the fall of that year. And, you know, it was in uh, early or actually uh, late February, mid February, where I got a call from the angels asking if I would 
uh, be interested in talking to them about the position. And I, you know, you mentioned that, you know, my connection to the, to the organization, having played in their minor league system, my dad spent 10 years with them from 1982 to 1988, uh, pardon me to 1982 to 1992 and managing them in 1988. So I had a real connection to that organization, um, growing up. Uh, and so when you know, I had the opportunity to go interview for it, I, I thought it was a, a great step for me. I'd never done full-time television play by play, uh, before. So it was the, it was what I thought was going to be the next step in my progression. And, um, you know, lo and behold, I, I ended up getting the gig and, spent 11 years there and I'd probably still be doing that had it not been for the, uh, you know, for Chuck Greenberg and, and the Frisco Rough Riders kind of coming into the fold. You know, as a, as a Rangers fan, you got to call some people that we love to hate, but still like, I mean, Mike Trout, <laughs> Albert Pujols, you know, David Freeze during that awful, awful 2011 know, series know, when he was a Cardinal. But, you know, I mean, yeah, some of these me, guys. I heard of plenty of it, too. I heard about it a lot, too. Oh, I'm, so. I'm sure you did. No, but I mean, from from all, you know, from everything we hear, Mike Trout is a fantastic guy. Pujols is a fantastic guy. You know, as Rangers fans, sometimes we forget, you know, that these are just really good guys, man, that just play for a team that is our rival. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and you know, truth be told, I, there, there's so much love for for Ranger fans uh, and for their team and for their community. And, and, you know, they take pride in, in their guys. And I think that's something that in my five seasons with Texas, I certainly learned to appreciate and heck, uh, you know, having moved back here to the area about six years ago, uh, one of the beauties of coming back to, to the ballpark was still seeing folks that were there when I was working there. And yeah. I think that just speaks volumes to, to the, to the type of people that we have here in North Texas. That's why we love it here. And that's why we moved back here. And um, it tells you, you know, that, that the organization takes care of its own and it's, it's great to see that. And I, I think that's cool. I, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. You know, I, I knew that I was going to get some grief when I ended up <laughs> taking that job. Um, but you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. It's, it's part of the territory. And, you know, like you said, it, they're great guys at the end of the day, you know, Trouty's a great dude. AP has been great to, to me and my family. Just, just mm-hmm. a great guy, but I totally understand where, <laughs> where the, uh, the vitriol comes from when you, uh, when you talk to them and cause you know what it's, it's when the game's on, man, it's, it's a battle. It's your guys against them. And I, I totally get that mentality. Uh, Victor, obviously being a, a president and general manager of a minor league team is different a little bit than a, a big league club. So can mm-hmm. you kind of tell us what does that entail and, and how closely will you be working with Chris Young and John Daniels? Well, I, I've known, I've known JD for a long time and CY as well. Uh, both great guys. And I've had a number of conversations over the years with JD about, you know, maybe transitioning over to the front office side. And I remember when he was first getting his gig that we, we seriously spoke. That was during my first season. Uh, you know, he, he was, I think at the time was on the verge of, you know, being nominated and being moved up. And when John Hart was kind of sliding over to the side there and he asked me if I would be interested and it was difficult for me at that time to think about moving toward a front office role because I was just two years into this major league odyssey of becoming a broadcaster. And it would have been just so hard to, as much as I would have loved it to kind of quote unquote, start over and, you know, and start from the bottom on up and who knows where I'd be today had I done that. But then again, you know, I wouldn't have had 18 years in the big leagues calling, you know, uh, major league baseball. So um, my relationship with JD goes back a long way and I, and I certainly appreciate it and cherish it. But from my role with the rough riders, you know, it's really about the business operations of, of the organization and of the ballpark in, in Frisco and, you know, the day-to-day 
managing of the staff and the events that we have there, aside from minor league baseball, whether it's a concert or otherwise, um, you know, that's, that's falls under my purview and, and that's kind of getting back into the fold. It's been 20 years since I did that when I was with the Newark bears as, as its general manager back then. And, you know, as I've learned over the last week and my first full week in the office that, uh, you know, many of the things that I did 20 years ago are kind of still being done today, but it's just, you know, there's different, uh, nomenclature and the, the terminologies that, that is used is, has changed a little bit over time. But at the end of the day, it's about selling seats. You know, that's what, what that's what we're here for. We're here to, to sell our brand and, uh, put ourselves in the community, kind of grow the brand even more so considering how much bigger Frisco is today than it was when it, it first moved here. I'm talking about the Rough Riders in 2003. Um, you know, that, that market is, uh, considerable, uh, considering where it was back in those days. And, uh, yeah, for us, it's just to continue to get out there and get the word out. And hopefully we get some baseball. We're hopeful that we will, uh, come May or June that we start playing some, some rough rider baseball on that diamond. All right. So yeah, Victor, the, uh, the, 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 the Frisco area and the, the DFW area as a whole has changed quite a bit since you were last working there, right? Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. I lived in Mansfield. So when I first moved here in 03, we or 04, uh, we, we settled in Coppell, uh, rented a place in Coppell. So the 121 kind of ended right there at Denton Tap Road. Um, and uh, that toll road was non-existent. And when you went to Frisco, if you had to go to Stonebriar, man, it was that two-lane road or whatever, and, uh, farm to market road and then trying to figure out how to get there and how long it was going to take you to get there. Now, forget it. It's unbelievable uh, how much it's grown from Carrollton on north and uh, even east and west uh, from that that little corner there where the toll roads uh, interchange their parkway and, and, and the toll road. So um, it's 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 amazing. And I think that's what I like about it. I think that's what I like about the idea of, you know, coming back to the minor leagues, number one, being at the grassroots level, which that means a whole lot to me, especially from growing the game of baseball or getting people back in love with the game of baseball. But also being able to kind of, you know, balance the uh, the entertainment dollars out there, whether it's FC Dallas or, you know, the stars uh, down the freeway and so on and so forth. That's that's kind of the thing that I dig about, you know, this opportunity that, that Chuck's kind of um, given me that I, I get a chance to, you know, kind of maybe wedge in there the, uh, the big boy table there, if you will, as a Frisco Rough Rider and say, hey, we're here and uh, we're not going anywhere. So. I've uh, I've covered games in Round Rock and then I've covered games there and I got to say that Frisco is such a beautiful ballpark with so much to do in game and you know not during a game. I know you guys are expecting somewhat of a full season depending on when we start, but uh, what do you expect as far as season length goes and do you think that fans will be able to attend and media people? Yeah, the, the hope is that we will have uh, you know some sort of a schedule here. We're hoping that uh, it's as close to a full slate of games. Uh, as possible. Uh, we're also planning for it to not be a full slate of games, but we're just, we'll be thrilled if, you know, minor league baseball gets back on the diamond. I think, uh, yeah. I think it's important. I'd imagine that there's a vested interest on the uh, major league side to get their players back on the diamond. Uh, Cause if you weren't at the alternate site last year, you pretty much were left on your own to kind of figure out and get, you know, uh, get some action going, keep the arm going and, and so on and so forth. And I can't imagine that, you know, and the pandemic's obviously going to, is going to dictate much of this, but I yeah. can't imagine from a, from a, player development standpoint, allowing your system, um, to go devoid of, of action, 
for two full seasons because uh, I think it'll stunt the growth of of what you have of your investments that you have made in the minor league system from a player perspective. And so I think there is some motivation to try to get players back on the diamond as safely as possible. So, you know, whether it's a 50 game schedule for us or a full slate of games, you know, right now we're hearing um, and, you know, you take that with a grain of salt because it all trickles down from the big league side. But, uh, you know, maybe, you know, like a June 1st type of mentality and then pushing through September towards the end of September um, and trying to get as many games as possible. No, uh, no playoffs. And uh, the one thing that's been bandied about as well is like a, a six game series. Uh, so in the Texas League, for example, it'd be uh, something to the effect of you play six games and you have one day off and everybody would be on that schedule, which would help with, you know, cleaning ballparks for travel, so on and so forth. Um, and uh, if that holds true, I think that'd be uh, be kind of a good step forward to try to get uh, baseball, some sort of normal baseball back on the diamond in Frisco. <laughs> Yeah, Victor, and I know it's hard to to kind of plan ahead when you really don't have a, a a set plan or set schedule to go based off of because there's so many intricacies that are going into really just the start of everything yeah. and the finish to everything. But um, with all that being said, what are you? What are some things that you really hope to accomplish your first year as GM of the Rough Riders? Uh, not screw anything up. Uh, that's kind of my, uh, you know, not lose my keys and not get locked out of the building. You know, just the, it's the little things, man. I, you know, you have to kind of grow into the position a little bit. Um, yeah, I, you know, for me, it's really just kind of of, uh, it's cool in a sense, uh, it's twofold, right? It's, it's sad because the pandemic has cost a lot of people, uh, financially, uh, emotionally, uh, and I'm not just talking to baseball, but across the, across the board, right across the spectrum. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from our perspective, we've lost, uh, a lot of employees, uh, whether from a furlough perspective or just from a business perspective. And so, um, that's, that's the downside of things for us. And, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm one of those type of individuals I've gotten to the point in my life. And I think once you hit North of 50, um, perspective starts to kind of play a role in how you, you look at things and how you make decisions. And for us, it's a, for me personally, it's about looking forward. Um, you, you take the, you take the past and you learn from it and then you move forward. And with this opportunity for me, it's about growing the staff and, and kind of ramping up to, to a point where, you know, we're looking at May to try to get everybody back on uh, some sort of a fold. And, and so I'm kind of looking forward to that and kind of building out my own staff and uh, what that means and what that entails, you know, still kind of unfolding for me. Um, but that's one of the exciting parts of this whole gig and, you know, maybe, maybe tweaking things. And, uh, you know, sometimes in, in, in business, you kind of get in this lull of, well, this is how we've done it in the past. And so you just assume that, you know, if someone comes in that they just take the reins and you just keep doing the same old thing, right? Because it, it worked for a certain period of time. I'm, I'm kind of more of the mindset of, oh, so that's what you've done in the past. All right, let's see how we can make it better. And, 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 you know, really when you're, when you're the new guy, you, they're looking at you for what the ideas are. And, you know, it's not that I'm coming in with this mindset of we're going to change this and we're going to change that. It's more of trying to poke holes in what has been done, what, what worked and what didn't work and what didn't work. Let's stop doing that. And what did work, how can we make it better? and getting folks to buy into that mentality. And because we're such a small staff right now, I think it's fine. I can, we can build that nucleus together, that collaborative, uh, collective working together so that when we start adding staff, it's just 
You know, it's like, it's the treadmills moving that new staff member jumps on and they just, they, they keep pace with us as we're continuing to move forward and not looking back at, you know, anything that's happened in the past, but uh, we continue to learn from those moments. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do right now for the next couple of months until we get, you know, folks uh, into the ballpark. And we're hoping to do that with the Frisco classic come the first uh, week of March. Uh, that'll be a nice test for us as a staff and um, seeing some action on the field and, you know, we'll work out the kinks. We're not going to be perfect. There's still protocols in place. Um, but I think everyone has learned over the last 10, 11 months that you kind of have to keep your head on a swivel and be adaptable and amenable to change because things can change at the drop of a hat. And I think that's, that's kind of my mindset is keep your eyes open, keep your, uh, your peripheral vision, uh, on cue and, uh, you know, and we'll roll with the punches. Yes, sir. Um, you know, you've had a chance to obviously be around the ballpark when you got there. What, uh, what was a feature or some features that you were just really excited about that they have at that Frisco facility? Well, you know, that, that ballpark in general is such a unique looking facility. It's just not like any other ballpark. Yeah. And I thought that when I first went there and I visited with Scotty Garner, Scott Garner, the voice of the Frisco Rough Riders back in the day. Um, he's a great guy and he showed me around and I, I thought, this is, this is cool, man. This is just an unbelievable place. Um, but as you look at the ballpark now, I mean, how can you not look the right field and see the lazy river out there and see that's just this yeah. unbelievably dynamic space that, uh, that they built out not, but a couple of years ago. Um, so it's unique. It's, uh, it's a beautiful yard and, um, I, I really can't wait to see people in there. I mean, I've got this, uh, there's a big old mural uh, where I'm stationed right now in the office and it's huge wall and it's just, it looks like an opening day shot. And it's just packed to the gills. That's what I'm looking forward to is that, you know, hopefully we can get a, a point to where we're back at a hundred percent that, that humming and that buzz that you hear of the crowd, you know, people talking to one another and just, uh, and the smells of the ballpark. That's, that's what I'm really looking forward to, but there's so many unique things about that ballpark that um, I think that's why folks like coming there, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, because it is so different from anywhere else. And Victor, uh, I uh, got the opportunity two years ago when we actually had baseball. Uh, I'm up here in Amarillo uh, and I was covering the Amarillo sod poodles, which is the Yep. Best minor league name, by the way. <laughs> I played up there uh, back in 94 when it was the uh, the Dillas, the, the Armadillas up there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I got to, to to see a lot of uh, Frisco players come up here and play. Obviously, they're they're in the same double-A league. And uh, guys like Emmanuel Classe, uh, before he was obviously traded for Corey Kluber last year in the deal with Delano DeShields and the Indians. Um, and uh, Demarcus Evans, Joe Palumbo, guys like those, Leody Tavares, so you get to see some of these guys at the double A level uh, that are, you know, could be right around the corner from being, getting the big league call. Are there any guys that you're looking at right now in Frisco that could be uh, somebody to keep an eye on? No, because I, I don't, I don't know what that roster is going to look like, you know, <laughs> especially after a year off, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited because I've had, uh, you know, a, a little bit of contact and relationship with, uh, with Josh Jung um, through our business, Big Fly. And cause he's, he's been a customer of ours and it's been great to kind of get to know him through that. And I know he was at alternate camp last year. Um, so it'd be kind of cool if he showed up in Frisco and, and, you know, played some games there and kind of get to know him and actually meet him for the first time face to face. But you know, who knows what that, 
that roster is going to look like? Um, you know, or is it going to be a limited roster? You know, are they going to keep guys at, in camp and surprise um, so that we don't have an overflow from a roster perspective? And I think, you, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I'm looking forward to is kind of getting, you know, whatever that word is when the Rangers give it to us, um, uh, you know, seeing those players and those names and, you know, kind of building up the, uh, the momentum for that, for that regular season. Wait. On top of that, can you kind of talk about how, you know, the limited draft of uh, recent has kind of played an impact on the on the roster building for a major league organization and for the minor leagues trying to fill those spots? Well, I think, well, you can go back even go back to December of this past year, too, with, uh, you know, Major League Baseball assuming the responsibility of running the minor leagues and, you know, um, jettisoning about 40 teams across the country. So, um, you know, every team now basically has four, uh, four minor league affiliates plus its camp squad. And, you know, that, that, you know, means there's fewer jobs or there's going to be fewer jobs, um, not just in baseball from a player perspective, but across the country and all these, um, all of these markets and towns that have had baseball for so long are, they're not going to experience that this year going forward, which is, which is sad in its own right. But, um, you know, I, I think that the paring down of rosters and, and kind of the trimming down of, you know, however you want to call it, if you, some would call it, you know, the fat, the excess, if you will, um, that'll be interesting how that plays out. Um, you know, because it used to be, you know, you, you carried so many guys and every team was different, right? Cause you can carry whatever number of minor league affiliates you wanted, if you wanted to, you know, have that as a cost. Um, but then the draft would come around and however many guys you ended up signing, that's usually how many guys got cut, uh, come July because you need the roster spots. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, it'll be a lot different, uh, maybe perhaps streamlined. We'll see, right. Cause it's all, uh, it's a, it's a brand new book that's just being written and we're still learning day to day how this is all going to work out. We kind of have a basic understanding from an operational perspective. Um, and I think that's what I'm, I'm look, kind of looking forward to is, you know, all right, this is what major league baseball is doing. This is how the minor leagues are going to work. All right. Just like anything else, right. When thing, when change happens, uh, people are, a lot of people are upset about the change initially. Uh, but then you realize, okay, it's for the betterment of the game and we're going to try to go from there. And again, it's kind of going back to what I said just a little while ago, just kind of try to stay positive and, and move forward with whatever the changes are and um, try to continue to grow the game of baseball as much as possible. Well, Victor is a guy who's been uh, covering and watching the Rough Riders for years and years. Uh, first of all, I hope you have some big name guys there because I have a relationship with y'all and I can get interviews with them. But secondly, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to see some Rough Rider baseball be playing and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you do with the team this year, Victor. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Guys, my pleasure. It's uh, um, uh, Hopefully this is the first of many times because uh, I'm as accessible as uh, necessary. Whatever you guys need, I'm happy to help. Well, we'll do it again. Thank you so much, Victor. All right, fellas, take care. You too. Good luck to you, sir. All right, that was, of course, Victor Rojas, the Frisco Rough Riders general manager and president. And, uh, I mean, a lot of good things to say there, CJ. Yeah, a lot of good things. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to ask the minor league uh, front office guy really anything right now because just there's so many so many questions, yeah. so many questions and not enough answers. But uh, it sounds like a, he he's excited to kind of, as he said, you know, start that new book and be a part of it. And boy, I mean, just, uh, uh, it's going to be a tough task for everybody, but, uh, you know, kind of, as we talked about there and, and him specifically, it's going to be exciting to get Frisco baseball and minor league baseball back on track and, and back out there and, and, uh, and seeing some action. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, I enjoyed that conversation a lot. Looking forward to doing it again. But yeah, he seems super excited about the uh, about the season. Super excited about the opportunity, and I think he's a great fit. I thought that when they hired him, just because he's a great broadcaster, great guy, so much baseball experience with his dad playing forever. Of course, him playing in college and in, in a little bit in the in the minors, and you know, just seems like a great fit. And like I said, great interview. Loves to loves to uh, talk baseball, and I think he's going to be a great addition to the podcast this year. Oh yeah, certainly. I look forward to many more with him. And you know, it was interesting to hear that uh, uh, John Daniels was offering to bring him into the front office when Daniels first took it took over in the mid two thousands. That that did not uh, know that uh, bit of information, but uh, we just got it. And uh, yeah, that that definitely would have been uh, maybe changed things, and he'd be on a whole different career path. But uh, I kind of got the 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 feeling there, kind of what he was talking about was. He didn't. Uh, he just gotten to to being a broadcaster at the in the big league level, and and kind of wanted to go down that path before jumping into everything else. So for 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 me to be to be honest, uh, if it were me, man, it just seemed to the book kind of seemed to play itself out just right for him. Yep, and I, like I said, could be you know he could be in this role five, ten years, who knows? And then maybe he does move up, you know, to the major league level and do some stuff for John Daniels in the front office, or one day maybe he is John Daniels. You know, we don't know, but. Anyway, it was uh, it was great. Some some great stuff he had for us, and uh, so happy that he put it on. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy the interview as well. Absolutely, there will be a whole lot more, and uh, hopefully, a more lot, a whole lot more voices uh, coming to you uh, pretty soon. Um, we're gonna, we're definitely uh, we're working our limited rolodex as we can, we as are. best we can. <laughs> and uh, that is our minor league edition of the Ranger Report podcast this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget. You can check me out on Twitter at BeatEater75. And I am at CJB underscore RR. And then, of course, at The Ranger Report on Twitter gets to both of us. You can go to Facebook at The Ranger Report. And, of course, don't forget to check out TheRangerReport.com for our articles and for merch. Go buy and become a patron because, well, we, we like doing this, but we also like money. So we wouldn't mind if you gave us some. Yeah, money's okay. Money's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's not why we do it. We do it for things like which has happened. When you get to speak to someone that you really like. (laughs) Absolutely. That was, that was an absolute joy. All right, CJ, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.